This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I was last week and this week and will be in future weeks by the former Glory welterweight champion of the world, the voice of Glory Kickboxing, and the proprietor of BazookaFitness.com. Mm-hmm. Right? Kickbox- BazookaTraining.com. Bazooka Close, yeah. We good. You should register BazookaFitness.com and just have it like uh, route there so that just whenever I mess there. it up, it'll... it'll yeah, there you go. Anyway. Just for your mess yeah, ups. That exactly. was the first time you ever messed it up, so I, think, no, I, think I can't see you missing it up. Before. Oh, that sounds nice. Bazooka training. It's nice, a little bit friendlier. Yeah. You know, but we like training here. Well, while I mentioned yeah, Glory, some bad news out of Glory this I morning. I was just going to say. They're over and pulling up. But you know what? The good news is Ben Sadiq and uh, Alec Bowie are on the card. So can't they just bump Ben Sadiq up to the main event? That's what I think they should do. Well, that's what I'm thinking they're going to do. I actually don't have any inside information to share with anybody. I found out via Instagram this morning. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I guess too. they're figuring Glory out. The post. <laughs> What's that, sorry? Glory might have found out, too. They put out a press release yesterday about the fight. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess they found out early because the Instagram post was, we'll let you know what's going on in a few hours. So they're probably panicking behind the stage trying to find out. You know but you're absolutely right. Though. To put Jamal yeah. Ben Sadiq and Attic Bowie in the main event makes total sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ben Sadiq was next in line anyways. I know he had some legal problems. But, if, I mean, obviously, if he was scheduled to be on that card anyways, I guess that's at least on hold for now or whatever the situation is. But uh, that's the fight to make. I think I think that's if you're a kickboxing fan, that's a better fight than the Overeem fight. It's just Overeem had more widespread appeal. So you're you're saying to put Jamal versus Rico? Yeah. Yeah, because he's scheduled on the card against Benjamin Adek Bowie. Yeah, exactly. But so, so you're Benjamin saying also had beaten Adek Bowie in the last fight in the tournament. So right? yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah, I can see that. Bump make it up. happen earlier. Or do they save Rico and put him in January with Overeem, right? Because they obviously want that fight to happen. Yeah, and... but I bet you Rico would do both. What is it? When, when's that fight scheduled for? November? Uh, no, it's October 23rd. Yeah. Which... So it's like in a couple weeks. So I'm sure he could turn it around for January also if he wanted to get you know double dip. Yeah, I mean, kickboxers, we're different breeds. We'll fight every month. Exactly. Our heavyweight champion was in a four-man tournament. You know, like kickboxers, were different. So yeah, yeah Rico, I can see Rico doing it. Anyways. Yeah, he just smashes everybody. But yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. I like I that. He uh, smashes. He picks them up. He's like surgical. He's got surgical precision. Yeah, he smashes those legs. Yeah. Slowly by the end of those fifth round, he's probably beating your legs up enough where you'll probably go down. So exactly. yeah, heck yeah. Mm-hmm. All That's right. That's it. Well, if that ends up happening, I love that fight. I'm, I've been wanting to see that rematch for a while. Yep. The heavyweight division's back in kickboxing. It's fun. Um, we actually had a signing. Um, this is an old school name. Um, I, I think he even fought in the UFC. James McSweeney. Yeah, James McSweeney. He was on the Ultimate Fighter. I he was on the Ultimate yeah, Fighter. He was yeah. on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, and he fought in the UFC. I saw that you guys signed him recently. Yeah, he's fighting one of our uh, crazy Croatians, Antonio Plazabot, which would be fun. Mm-hmm. Scary to take him on a first fight. Plazabot uh, doesn't play games. He had a big knockout in his last fight too. So. Exciting stuff. I just hope the card goes. We have the, I butcher it, sorry to the Dutch listener, the Helderdome. The Helderdome. Mm-hmm. It's right. uh, their big soccer stadium, and we're planning on packing it out. So hopefully uh, everybody still comes. Yeah, well, I hope so. I mean, like I said, if, if you're a fan of kickboxing, I think that the uh, Ben Sadiq fight, is, uh, yeah, the Ben Sadiq fight is actually better than the Overeem fight, just from a, oh, yeah. Yeah, just from a quality Easily. standpoint. Not, not Easily. Not to say anything from, you know, not to take anything away from Overeem. It's just Overeem has more appeal. Yeah, Overeem's got the name, but those guys going head to head. But as a kickboxer, you're right. Jamal Ben Sadiq on paper should beat Overeem too. You know, mm-hmm. like it's just it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's still Bui exciting times. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, uh, for sure. Adik Bui beat Botter. You yeah. know, like knocked him out. So mm-hmm. it's like 
we have those top guys sitting there, and I just think Rico just sits at the top waiting. And even Benjamin Attic Boy and Rico, they're they're you know training partners, so they're in no rush to fight each other. They fought twice in the past, so I think uh, they try to stay separate as much as possible. But realistically, if Rico was not friends with Benjamin Attic Boy, it should have been that fight. But, why? but them ben, being ben training Sadiq partners. Beat Attic Bowie recently. Yeah, but they fought twice. They've been sitting at the top. We got to think uh, Ben Sadiq had a little layoff here of over a year and a bit. So we saw Eric Bowie more active. So, I mean, there's different scenarios. But, yeah, you're right. That is the fight I think they were planning to make eventually. Um, but if they, if they have to rush it, I'm okay with that too. So I guess we're literally hours away from knowing, maybe yeah, even seconds. So, so yeah. who knows? Yeah, as who soon knows? as this podcast comes out, I'm sure it'll come out. Because, uh, yeah, instantly, right away. I'm just going to go yeah. ahead and say that Ben Sadiq's fighting him, and we'll just, we'll just go with it. We'll go with it. Yeah. Okay. And let's there not try you go. to overthink these things. It just makes sense. Uh, yeah. well, well, let's go transition to MMA. I mean, this is the TSN MMA show, but I do love giving glory kickboxing its shine because I, I recommend everybody watch it. It's an awesome product. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the show. It's because I, I just, the good thing about kickboxing for me is like, I don't necessarily cover kickboxing. So I just get to watch it as like a fan, which I, I just, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the fun part, too. That's kind of with me with MMA because it's like I watch so much kickboxing. I study it and I analyze it. So a lot of times when I'm watching these UFC fights, it's me just trying to relax and enjoy the fighting. That's why sometimes I'm like I used to sometimes write down who I thought, which one, one round. I'm just like, you know what? I need to enjoy the fight for itself, and that's what I've been doing. So that's why uh, I've been watching every week and enjoying it just to sit down with some friends and just – you know, enjoy the fights themselves. And I'm on the opposite you know? side of things where I watch Holland versus Doc and then have a complete and utter freakout after the fact because nobody sees for whatever reason that the commission's completely botching this thing except for me and a handful of other people that have been watching the sport for a long time. So yeah. I don't get to enjoy it because I have a bunch of people coming at me saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. All right. And this time of this episode is brought to you by Aaron's Rants. So, let's so hear it, Aaron. Let's go. Again. Let's yeah, go. Here we go. Aaron Bronstetter's ranting. Let's do it. All right. So, so Kevin Holland's Kyle Dawkins. We have an accidental clash of heads. Now, yeah. if you watched Contender Series yesterday, we saw an accidental clash of heads. Chris Tagnoni immediately calls a timeout, checks if both guys are okay, and continues the fight. Dan Bergliata, who's a human and can make mistakes, and I'm not going to put yeah. this on Big Dan. Uh, he sees that there's something is up because Holland face plants, and we never see Holland get knocked out like in fights, like especially like that. We've never seen Holland kind of face plant mm -hmm. like that. Face plants. Gets up and is all like kind of doesn't know what's going on. He's disoriented because he it was a, an accidental clash of heads, and Mirkliotis uh, signals for a, a replay, and then he just lets the fight continue. So the fight just keeps going, and then a minute later, a full minute almost, Dawkins ends up getting a submission win. Mm -hmm. Now here's where I get upset about what ends ends up happening. If you're gonna let the fight continue, the result needs to stick. Doesn't yes. need to stick long term. My point. But the result My needs point. to stick because you, you as the referee have allowed it to continue. If you allowed you, it, yeah. If you saw a clashing at heads, you call a timeout, you check if both guys are okay, and if you want to look at a replay to make sure that it was a clashing at heads and not a, a legal strike, because if it's a legal strike, it's basically a, a, you have to call it a TKO because you've stopped yeah. the action, which is on you, and I'm sure that that he would get he would catch flack for that too. But because he didn't call a timeout and he let the fight continue, on that night, that's a submission win for Kyle Dawkins. Now. To me, Kevin Holland appeals that, and he wins his appeal. That's what would happen, because it was an accidental clash of heads that led to that finish. And then it becomes a no contest. But on the night of, you can't just retroactively go back in time into a time machine, watch the replay a minute, like after a minute of action transpires, yep. and then, you know, then say, you have Herb Dean saying to him, 
Well, it's up to you. You can change the result if you want to. It's it's up to you. You have the, the, yeah, the, I didn't the like matchmaker that. in the huddle for whatever reason, giving yeah. his two cents, like which shouldn't happen because that that's you know it's supposed to be influencing. Yeah, yeah, you can influence the result. And obviously, we know the more market marketable these two guys is Kevin Holland. No, no disrespect. I'm not trying to say that there's a bias here, but there's a bias here. You got Mark yeah. Ratner in the mix because he's probably just trying to figure out what's happening and and, and be informed, which is fine. And again, if Sean Shelby, I don't know what he said in the huddle. I, I have to go back and watch, but. Either way, maybe he's just trying to figure out what's going on, and, and he, you know, he's the guy, man in charge that night because Dana White wasn't there. Maybe he's just trying to gather information, whatever it is. But to to go and watch the replay and then say, well, well, it was an, an accidental clash of heads. We we're gonna call it a no contest. It's not how it's not how the procedure is supposed to work. If you read the guidelines that are written by the Nevada State Athletic Commission yeah. that they're supposed to follow, it says you, you this, call right? a timeout immediately after. Uh, what might be a foul or whatever, a clash of heads is considered a, a timeout. You would call that a timeout. Uh, not necessarily a foul because it's accidental. But accidental eye pokes are also a foul. You know, accidents yeah, happen, yeah, but right. you still have to ju- do things the same way. You have to follow the protocols. So if you call a timeout immediately after the clashing heads, you see that there's a clashing heads. You can give the guys time to recover. If Holland can't recover or his corner says, no, he's not going back out there, then it's a no contest. But yeah. if you yeah. allow the action to continue... Whatever happens from there is the result. Again, yeah. it might be overturned in, on appeals, but that's the result. And that's why I got upset about it, because while I think that they got to the right um, result, I think that the way they got there did not follow their own protocols, which is a problem, because then what happens in the future when you have the same sort of situation happen? Yeah. Now, I heard two things like when people were talking about this. I, think, I believe it was Anik was saying, the first thing is, was... Big Dan in a position where he saw the headbutt. Well, he called for a where replay. It's like, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, up. he kind of, then he said he kind of took it as like a flash knockdown kind of thing. But like, do you think he knew it was a headbutt that caused the damage and that's maybe why he didn't? That's what Annex, you know, um, interpretation was. And he said, because maybe the, you know, the apex is very small. He heard the commentators saying, oh, it was a headbutt or something. And then he kind of had to think about it. So who knows from that position, that could have been one thing too. But I, I didn't like how the production team had, I know we're trying to create TV, but having a mic in that little huddle made it weird. And then eventually you heard them fade the the little conversation out because it didn't make as a fan watching me comfortable with how they're coming up with a decision. Right. Like, I mean, to like hear her Dean. Yeah. And they're like, it, it just did not make me confident at that moment as a fan. It seemed kind of like, oh, they're doing like a little side chat on the side. Like, no, like the only people should have been there talking was Mergliata and Herb Dean. That's it. No one else needed to be there. They talk privately, quietly, look at the film themselves and no, they don't need the mic on in that corner to hear what they're saying. It just didn't give me confidence that they were even confident in their decision. Well, further to what John Annick said. If he signals a replay, one reason why referees will do that is because at the end of the round, the secondary official will say to them, yeah, it was a clashing of heads, and then they can tell the judges that it wasn't a knockdown. That's okay. one reason why you call for the replay mid-round instead of calling the timeout. Because then they can look at it, and if they determine that it was an like an accidental clash of heads, you say to the judges, that was not a knockdown clash of heads. They go like this in between rounds. They hit their heads. And they, yeah, yeah. they signal to the judges that it wasn't a knockdown. So um, that's one reason why you would call for the replay and not call a timeout. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is when you look at that, it's it's an obvious 
mutual both guys went down and in so it wasn't like one guy was at fault over another right. it's mma the the scariest thing in mma is clashing heads shooting for a takedown eating knees like that is one of the scariest things training and that's where most of the injuries happen you know when you're talking about guys coming into to fights with cuts on their eyes and their head it's headbutts it's, it's just that's why headgear with MMA sparring is worn a lot of time and even though it's so frustrating yeah so again I think that the right result came about I think that that should be a no contest it's just I, I don't like that they have protocols in place that they're not following that's all yeah that's that's I, my my beef with it and I don't think people understood that they're like oh what what did you bet on Dawkins like listen it doesn't matter to me like first off I didn't bet on Dawkins I have no vested interest in Dawkins getting a win on that night even though from a sportsbook standpoint and a betting standpoint, Dawkins would be awarded a submission win on that night, and that's how they would pay it out. But that, that, that shouldn't matter. And, and people are like, well, they, they take this kind of stuff into account. I'm like, no, the commissions don't care who's, who's betting on who or what the result yeah, is. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. Like, I don't, yeah. You're delusional if you think that they care about that. So yeah. it's, that's all. So that, that's the only thing that I got frustrated about there. But people just don't understand. They Listen, it's Twitter. There's nuance involved. You have to kind of give it some thought. I did a thread the next day which pointed out the guidelines, which kind of walked people through why I, I felt that way. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, either way. Yeah, I mean, I heard also some people always complaining. And again, this has been part of when I was competing as an amateur. No matter what organization you're in, the appeal process never goes through. You know, you appeal it. year later, they come back to you maybe with like – I just think that appeal process needs to be a little bit more – There's you know, you know how many times in fighters and teams like – again, this is not even at the UFC, but this is the UFC. So you need to have the policy and the procedure to get these no contests and things happening a little bit more immediate, a little bit faster. There's so many times in fights that we're going like, nah, just – don't even bother fighting it. We're never going to hear the answer from it anyways. That's what the appeal process is to teams in combat sports. That it'll probably never happen. They'll never change it. So, But you're talking about the UFC, so I think there needs to be a little bit more of that confidence that guys can appeal if they want to. Oh, we, see a, we saw a fight 10 years ago that had the exact same thing happen. It was Mack and uh, um, Got uh, There was a, a, an accidental clash of heads. Um, his opponent finished him on the ground. And then he, they appealed it and they overturned it to a no contest. That's exactly yeah. what would have happened here. So yeah, you know how we fix this? We just allow headbutts in MMA yeah, now. We just muscle. allow old school. You know, the old school. There's a there was one of my favorite fighters of all time. His name was Pele. Do you remember old school yeah, yeah, Pele? Yeah. He mm-hmm. he used to just mount you and yeah, just headbutt you headbutts. from mount. Yeah. Just bang, bang. Yeah. So bring him back. <laughs> you know. You'd be stupid to use them because you're going to give yourself brain damage. But, hey, if you're like a Sean Strickland, I'm sure you would love to oh, throw yeah, headbutts. Sean would be throwing headbutts, no, no doubt. All he'd day, yeah. Headbutts, he'd be throwing headbutts. If they allowed biting and headbutts, he'd be he'd all like, in. He'd be like the king, David, Dave LaDuke of the uh, UFC. Um, yeah, there was actually talking about how funny it is. There was a post Sean Strickland put the other day training with our Canadian buddy, Elias Theodoru. And he was showing on his arm that he had teeth marks from Elias. And then Elias is like, Sean, you kept throwing your forearm in my mouth. So it's like, I don't know what they're kind of sparring. <laughs> so Sean's getting people to bite him or Elias is – Sean's a crazy man. But I'm so excited to see him against Rockhold soon. That's a great fight. Yeah, that's that's in New York. That's coming up very soon. Um, yeah. All right. Main event, Thiago Santos, Johnny Walker. Tell me if you think I'm wrong here. Both guys fought like they were scared of losing. Big time. Big time. I mean, I think that was honestly, it was, uh, that was kind of my interpretation of the night. A lot of people fighting, not wanting to get hurt. Which, cool, I like it, but as there wasn't enough 
commitment out there. There wasn't enough. Let's go for it. And I, and I personally, I know he's a friend of mine, but with same with Misha Serkina, guys wanted to win, but no one wanted to fight. You know, there wasn't enough. Like people didn't want to get hurt that night, and it kind of it's 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 good to watch the the little one strike. I want to see fights. You know, you you fight once or twice a year. Go. You know, get hurt. That's the point of it. So I I thought there needed to be a little bit more commitment in the, in the bigger fights that night. Yeah, well, the Nico Price uh, Alex Oliveira fight was an interesting one because it seemed like they there was just it was just a momentum fight. Like one guy had momentum, the other guy had momentum. Yeah. But yeah, it, I I mean, it went to a decision, and I thought that um, both guys had the opportunity to score finishes, but they they weren't able to put their foot on the gas. And the other and these are both tough guys. I mean, it's for sure. I mean, Oliveira is an easier guy to put out than Nico Price. Nico Price is very difficult to finish, but. Uh, I thought that Nico Price really, you know, emptied out the gas tank at the end of that fight and put every last little bit into winning that third round. So kudos to him for winning that. I thought it was a, a good win for him. Yeah, I think I like Nico. I think I think it was a good fight. I just didn't think it lived to the excitement of seeing the two exciting guys go at it. But I think the matchup stylistically, it just it made for this type of fight. But yeah, Nico deserved that win for me. And we mentioned Jotko versus Misha Zorkinov. I actually gave Jotko all three rounds watching it. I, I mean, I, I know that uh, it was basically 29-28, 28-29, 29-28 split decision. But if you're assessing damage, I thought that Jotko did more damage in all three of those rounds. Yeah, I just needed, like I was saying, Misha needed to commit a little bit more. And he's, he played it a little bit safe, trying to get the win, making his debut. I get it. But uh, I just think he needed a little bit more oomph is the word I'm looking for. If That's even a word, the oomph. You need to go pop, you maybe get hit to give one or two. You know that that's what uh, that's what he needed. That it little bit like more he was output. Just throwing, you know, basically going for naked takedowns. He was just throwing, you know, shooting for takedowns with no setup. And uh, yeah. Jotko, yeah. I think, has one of the highest takedown defenses of anybody in the middleweight division. It's like eighty-six or eighty-seven percent. Might, might and be higher one, now. Yeah, at one point Misha was getting the body lock, taking his back, and I was like, okay, now this is Misha's game. You know, he got that body lock because once Misha grabs that, you're usually done and he's on your back. But Jocko did a good job. I mean, good technical fight. I just, I'm gonna keep repeating, they needed to give a little bit more. You know, that little bit of pop. Yeah, that's a tough fight because uh, it's one of those ones where you've got Misha, who's a, a real opportunist and is able to find openings and get wins against a yeah. guy that does not give you opportunities. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, uh, the fight so presented that as well. But you know who did came with some oomph and pop? Alexander Hernandez. Yep. That's who came that. out to bang. Yep. He came out to fight. Yeah. I like I knew as soon as I had that, I was like, that was an easy money bet for me. And I put first round finish. Yeah, I put I put first round finish for him. Yeah. I got that on him. I didn't put I didn't bet my house on it, but I put a little sprinkle on Hernandez by first round and it paid out. I mean, I remember him being just on this crazy little win streak and and then he kinda had a little break. I just wanted to kind of ask you. Why hasn't he had the momentum from a couple years ago? Well, Hernandez, I mean, he lost that momentum. He lost that fight to Cowboy, and I think that hurt him a lot. Um, and then who else? He had another loss somewhere in there, if I'm not mistaken. Because he's good, man. Like, I, I, he's, he's incredible. He's training with Mark Montoya now, which I think has really helped him. Like, I think going to Factory X and going to – he was he used to be just training oh, yeah. out of his camp in San Antonio, like training, training at home with, like, the guys that – you know, where you're, like, you're the king of the gym, right? But yeah, yeah, he basically yeah. was alternating wins and losses. He lost to Cerrone, beat Trinaldo, lost to Drew Dober, got knocked out by Drew Dober, knocked out Chris Grutzemacher, which in hindsight looks like a much better win than it was at the time, uh, then lost a decision to Thiago Moises, and then uh, beating Mike Breeden. So he's been alternating wins and losses. So that's why yeah. there hasn't been momentum. But that, those losses are still big names. But I mean, still to me, I, I think he's uh, a lot better than 
they're showing him right now, to be honest with you. I think that he's going to turn it around under Mark Montoya. I think that training at a bigger camp with better training partners is really going to do him a lot of good. So we'll see how it goes. I think that uh, this was a... One of those kind of layup fights because Breeden was a short notice opponent who missed weight. You know, like it's I mean, he just had everything going for him on, in that regard. Uh, Jared Gordon beats Joe Selecki. This was a close one. Uh, Joe Selecki using the grappling, but uh, Jared Gordon I thought, thought landed more damage. Uh, yeah. Good for good on Gordon for bouncing back after a really tough first round where Selecki controlled him for almost like four and a half minutes. Yeah, Gordon's tough. I uh, he comes from a good team, has that experience, so you can never really count him out. To be honest with you. Casey O'Neill defeats Antonina Shevchenko. This was a pretty close fight, but uh, it seemed like we knew where this one was going to go once uh, Casey O'Neill got the takedowns. You know, that's been Ant- Antonina Shevchenko's kryptonite, but uh, O'Neill ends up getting the win. Yeah, I mean, Valentina, uh, sorry, Antonina, I guess she gets a lot of that, you know, relate. she gets related to her sister all the time. And they're a little bit of different fighters, you know. I think Valentina's grappling is so much better than Antonina, to be honest, so... I mean, I think it's going to be, uh, I think uh, Antonina is always going to get tough fights based on who her sister is, too. Mm-hmm. And we kind of have to remember that Antonina Shevchenko is relatively new to MMA. I mean, she, she did Muay Thai for, what, like 12 years. And she's on the older side of things for the flyweight division. I think she's like 35, right? So Casey O'Neill, young, 22 or 23. She looks like she has a lot of upside in this sport. Antonina's 35, eh? Yeah, something like that. She's older wow. than Valentina. Wow. I just found out, too. She's turning random next month. The most random fact ever, because okay. we were we we're just talking about it. I, I didn't know she was married to the coach. Yeah, she's married to Coach Pavel. Yeah, I didn't know that because I, I someone was bringing it up to me. I was like, oh, they're like Antonina's pretty cute. I was like, yeah, I would say so. And she's a good-looking, attractive woman. And then uh, someone was like, oh, she's married to the coach. I was like, huh? Was like, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. Surprised me. Well, we'll leave it at that. I don't want to cast a judgment upon Coach Pavel. Who no, no, no. I'm just saying she was married. I thought because yeah. from her Instagram, she never really post that they're they travel the world together yeah. not once would you have hinted that they are married by looking at their instagram yeah, yeah very true very true um, that's my point all right carol hosa defeats uh betch kohea betch is um now retired from the sport she's uh, that was her retirement fight and uh i mean she just lost that fight from bell to bell unfortunately so uh, carol hosa looks like she's she's the real deal uh except she's kind of a point fighter, right? So, I mean, at, in the bantamweight division, if she faces somebody that's going to be able to take her down or something, I'm eager to see how much better she can get is all I'm saying. But she changed with uh, Jessica Andrade day in and day out. She's kind of the opposite of Jessica Andrade, which is the funny thing about it. She's very yeah. tactical, very technical. Um, and not that Andrade isn't, but Andrade relies so much on, on just her, you know, fast twitch muscles and, and all that. Yeah, Betch didn't. She just, like I said before, she's got one way to win coming forward. She just didn't mix it up enough. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, if she found it was the right time to go, it was the right time to go. Yeah, she wanted she... to retire about a year ago, and her fights just kept getting postponed or something. But uh, I I, uh, I gave a bonus pick on Betch Gohea at, like, plus 450. I just thought that that line was way too generous uh, for her, but that turned out to be probably pretty much the case that she uh, she should have been that big of an underdog. Uh, Jamie Malarkey, big win over Devontae Smith. Those body shots were, were brutal, and you can just see – Malarkey's really on the come up. He's been training with Alexander Volkanovski and has just looked like a di- like a different fighter in recent years. And uh, I think he's got some big upside in this lightweight division. Yeah, th- those body shots, man. Uh, in MMA as a whole, they got to be used so much more. That's been my big rant with my team lately. Those small gloves, guys don't want to be punched with the body with them. Start ripping and changing levels. So I like Malarkey. All right, uh, let's head to this weekend's card. You got Mackenzie Dern against Marina Rodriguez in the main event. 
This is a tough one to call. I like Rodriguez. I think Rodriguez is a really bad matchup for Dern, but the problem is when you go against Dern, all it takes is like one takedown and like the fight's over, right? So yeah, like, yeah. Over the course of five rounds, I think this fight goes one of two ways. I think Dern gets a takedown first round and gets a first round submission, or as the fight wears on, Marina pieces her apart to a point where Dern basically the, the fight just gets stopped by the referee because Dern's very tough, hard to knock down. But I think Rodriguez ends up getting a, a late finish, third, fourth, fifth round. Oh, wow. Um, I think that Rodriguez is just going to have a, a massive striking advantage in this one. Yeah, huge striking advantage. And, I mean, Marina's awesome, good Muay Thai. But I just think Dern, her striking has improved a lot too. I mean, the the, the thing is you've seen her coming in, throwing in bombs. I believe she's working with uh, Ruka Sport yeah, as, yeah. as well yeah. with Perillo. So her hands are, are matching up with the grappling. It's close, but I, I think you're – I'm not going to say you're right, but I think the the key is is Marina winning in the later rounds if she can, you know, because I, I think those early takedowns can be, you know, very problemsome early on in that fight for sure. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, Dern, the one issue I've seen with her striking is she overextends a lot. And I mean, I, I think she's tried to shore that up, but it, it's she still leaves her head right up in the air when she throws her punches. And yeah. I just think Mar- Marina's hand speed and foot speed is going to be a real problem for Dern. Um, yeah, keeping that distance. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It's one of those ones where, like, I was very confident on Rodriguez when this line opened up. I like Rodriguez at this price. I think you can get her plus, around plus 150. Right now it's plus 150 on DraftKings. Um, I think that, that there's great value on her there. And I also, for my TSN edge pick, I did a, for the dart throw, I did Rodriguez wins round three, round four, round five. Like, just the props are – the the value is so high Goodbye. that I, I think that there's a good chance you get the late stoppage and a much better chance than the odds indicate. Huh. Yeah. Well, I'll keep an eye on that one. My my initial gut was telling me Mackenzie Dern, but the the later round pick starts making more sense. Yeah. I, I again, I just think that it's going to come down to whether Dern can take her down and keep her down because if she takes her down, I think this fight is it's like curtains. I, I don't think yeah, Rodriguez done right away. Defended, but we'll see. Rodriguez has been taken down before, but I I don't think that Rodriguez. Uh, when she got taken down by those opponents, I think she was expecting more of a striking match. I think in this situation, she's going to expect Dern to try to take her down, and she's going to try to capitalize while it's on the feet. So we'll see. This is, again, I think it's a close fight, and it's one of those ones where, like, if, if Rodriguez can get out of, like, the second round, I think that's where she can really take over this fight. It's really the it's that whole line of it's the opposite styles, right? You right. got to think masters of the opposite. So they're kind of bad matchups for one another, which is the interesting. Yeah, thing. exactly. On textbook, that's the last person you want is their opponent. I spoke to Mackenzie yesterday. I was talking to her about Ortega and how when you have the kind of submission skills that she has, that Ortega has, when, when his corner wants him to continue the fight and everybody's like, oh, they should stop it, they should stop it, they just know that Ortega has – he's one of the, the biggest opportunists in the sport. And I think Dern is kind of that version on the, the flyweight side. I don't think that her striking is quite as good as Ortega, but I think that her submission game is so dangerous for the entire five rounds that like even if she's getting pieced up, her corner is going to just let her ask her to continue because they just know that at, at, in the blink of an eye she at can steal a fight. At any point, yeah. And I feel like at, they, at, they felt the same way with Ortega. Yeah, I mean, there's a boxing fight this weekend with Wilder versus Fury. That same thing with Wilder. He's got one punch. He might be beat up the whole time, but when you have that punch in power or that submission attack, you're always in a fight, always. So that's that. That's the importance of having power or submission. Catch them when they're not expecting it. Derek Lewis. Look how far Derek Lewis went with, right. you know, that one-punch power. There you go. But there's more to it than that. He's got good takedown defense. His takedowns aren't that bad either. He's got it. But, yeah, I, I think that 
that doesn't obviously come into play in boxing. So, uh, <laughs> no, but if you look yeah. at Derek Lewis and you take his attributes and you write it on paper and you would be like, do you think this guy could make top five in the UFC? I would say no. Yeah. His, you know, he doesn't really work on the ground. His conditioning's not there. Once he gets taken down, he's comfortable staying on his back. Like I would never, but he's got something. He's got that touch of death. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see how he does That's against Chris Dawkins. That's going to be a really interesting fight. Um, all right, let's uh, let's see if there's any, is there anything else on this card that you really want to talk about? I mean, the, uh, Jared Gooden, Randy Brown, you got Mateus. Nicolau I like Randy Brown. Elliott. I always think Randy Brown. Um, I, I like watching Randy Brown. Great striker, so I like him. Yeah, he's. I, I, I think he's just got so many advantages in this fight against Jared Gooden. I, I don't see how Jared Gooden wins this fight. I remember Randy Brown had a nice finish last fight, I believe, too, right? Yeah, who did he fight last? Let's take a look. The rude boy, I believe his name is. Well, he didn't fight Vicente Luque next. That's what best fight odds has, but he he definitely had a good win in his last. He had fight. a nice finish because he's so long and rangy, and I remember, I remember just he was mad at his opponent. It was oh, it was against Alex Oliveira. The first he finished him, right? Yeah, first round yeah. submission. Yeah, good man. I like Randy Brown because when you look at his record, thirteen and four, it's 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 a lot. Of, it's a decent amount of experience, but I just think he's uh, better than what he shows. I think you'll we'll see him get bigger fights. And we had some changes to this card. Mike Trezano and Chaz Skelly was scratched from the card. Skelly got injured. Trezano, they were unable to find an opponent for. Loriano Steropoli and Jamie Pickett has been scratched from this card. And uh, Lupita Godinez was supposed to face Sam Hughes. Sam Hughes withdrew, and she has a new opponent in Silvana Gomez Juarez, who's uh, well-known from Argentina, a good fighter. So we'll see how that goes. I I had originally had Lupita Godinez parlayed with uh, Randy Brown, uh, as one of my TSN Edge plays, but that uh, obviously got scratched, so we are not releasing that one. But I think that Randy Brown is a good parlay piece if you like anybody else on the card. Oh yeah, yeah, Randy Brown's my guy on this card. He'll be my my pick for sure. What are some of his odds straight up? I'm gonna look here. Brown minus two forty. Minus two forty by finish. Oh, you mean the, his prop bets? Uh, his yeah, prop the, bets. Brown by sub is plus uh, three thirty. Brown mm, inside nice. the distance is plus one ten, and Brown by decision is plus two forty. So. Not well, Brown by really by anywhere. TKO, I saw plus two eighty here. Plus two, yeah, plus two twenty five, plus two eighty by TKO. Yeah, that might be a Draft good play. Draft. I think submission is probably more live, honestly, but we'll see. Because I know a lot of the betting sites just have by finish, so yes, you can but buy. But Gooden's also really tough to finish, so I mean, it's one of those ones that could go to a decision. Also, that's why I have trouble picking and choosing with Brown. I'd rather just use him as a parlay piece and have him win straight up. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. All right. Um, any any big news in the the sport this week? Anything? About, I, oh, yeah, I, I had a question. Lima Page. We, we didn't talk about Lima Page. Yeah, How that did, was a an, lot of people thought an, that was a robbery. What did you think? I don't know. I thought it was the same. I I don't know. Something in this weekend with me was like I went through this weekend of nobody wants to fight. That's what I got out of that fight again. Nobody wants to fight anymore. Watch a Bazooka Joe fight and tell me if I wanted to fight or not. Tell me, Aaron. There's a difference. Guys don't want to fight no more. And that's what I saw from that. Yeah, it was a, if, very tentative on both sides. Very tentative. It's, it wasn't fun. It wasn't exciting. I mean, I get it. You're trying to throw the low kicks. And Lima didn't pressure. He did not go after it. Everything was a single kick and reset. There, there just wasn't enough uh, to go. But watching it, I thought, I personally thought Lima, um, when I was watching it, I thought Lima. I had Lima winning all three rounds, but I mean, I thought Lima watching personally, but I don't know. I can't I don't call know. a fight like that a robbery because there's just not a lot that happens. There's no fighting. Nobody wants to fight anymore. If I had to fight MVP, I, I again, confident bazooka came out on this weekend. I was messaging all my friends and be like, MVP goes out in two with me. 
I put him out in one round. I was like, two rounds. Nobody wants to fight him. I'd walk right through his little pressure, fainting, whatever. I'd walk right through, then I'd blast his leg. His legs would be in trouble. Oh, it, his but, calf I mean, would have been gone. He's very similar to like a Raymond Daniels, right? Like the karate stance guys, you 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 have a formula. Just you got a pressure. But I don't know why Lima was throwing single low kicks from the outside, not setting them up with punches, not closing distance. He played very timid. Like he thought the one calf kick was going to be enough like last time. You got to set things up. You got to cut them off. You got to track them a little bit more. You know, you need to cut. We're both Lima. We're sponsored by two of the same sponsors. Hit me up, man. I'll help you out a little bit. He's sponsored by Hayabusa and Perfect Sports with me, so right, yeah, I mean, we can help sure each other out. With him. I'm sure he's he's very he's a fan of your work. I'm sure. Oh yeah, no, we we they they've talked about like us wanting to meet because we're both um, wanting to meet up and stuff. But I mean, it, it's just difficult. But that's the situation. He's got to call the Karate Killer. That's Bazooka over here. Yeah, just, watch, just watch the Stephen the Thompson, Karate Stephen Killer Thompson video. Just watch that yeah. on repeat, and you're good. But yeah, my my big rant is I, I again I I like that guys are trying to do things. It's technical and IQ and you know. But uh, I know brain damage is a thing, but it's fighting. So what like Justin Gaethje? You ain't gonna get a, a boring Justin Gaethje fight. I'm You're gonna never gonna get one. Johnny Walker though, and look at this past weekend. Yeah, true. But I mean. Johnny hear, Walker having injuries, from, getting hurt, the ups and downs, which was uh, kind of like play it safe, no? Yeah, you're doing great. You're winning these rounds, and you got to keep the distance and just be, be be selective. It's like, no, no, no. Like you're, you're breaking this guy. This isn't what Johnny Walker is. Yeah, let Johnny Walker throw a flip and sidekick. Do something, you know? Like I think you can't. I liked what Kavanaugh was doing. Yes, he needs to have structure to the style, but structure – at times, you need to let him be himself, and then when it's time to use a structured style, then you bring in a structured style. But nobody wanted to fight this weekend. That was my big thing, my takeaway from the weekend. Nobody wanted to fight. See, you you the, fight twice a year. Come on, guys. Go. See, if I'm Kavanaugh going into that fifth round, I say, Johnny, it's a we're, we're even right now. It's 2-2. So I'm going to turn it over to Michelle Pereira, who's going to give you advice on how to win this fight. Uh, <laughs> on how to be unorthodox. Yeah, be unorthodox. Yeah. 101 with Pereira. But that would have really thrown Santos for a loop, don't you think? If he would have, if he would have gone Michelle Pereira in the in the fifth round, yeah, like a little spin kick, a yeah. little bit of spinning back fist, some more odd fainting. But I also think that they thought he was winning the fight going into the fifth, and I, that's a problem. Yeah, I mean it's tough, but that's where a lot of people will start complaining. Like, is this the case where open scoring would have been good? Every judge had it scored the same every single round. In a five-round fight, if you can't, like, if you can't process that, that's a problem. Yeah, I just think too, like, even with me, like, if I know someone, there's always that little bit of bias. So if your fighter is going, are you a little bit more biased in the corner? So you're not getting a real picture of, you know, how they're being scored. See, I like to that play can be an opposite. issue. I like if I if I like if I pick somebody. I don't like confirmation bias. I want to look at the other side and, and see the good work that they're doing. I actually almost overcorrected. I'm like DC when he calls his, his uh, like Duran wins fights, which uh, he might be doing this weekend. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I like to over, I like to overcorrect the steering wheel and look at it from the other perspective to make sure that I'm not looking at it from a biased perspective. I guess I kind of did that last night when I watched Contender Series because uh, I had picked um, – one of the fighters to win, and I thought that the other guy won two of the three rounds. I thought he won the first round, and all the judges had it for the other guy in the first round. But then I went back and watched the first round again, and I was like, did I have, like, was I... Yeah, that was, bias, was yeah. I, was I doing reverse bias, right? And I watched it, and I still thought that the guy that I thought it was Rodriguez, I forget the other guy's name, or Hernandez. Let me, let me yeah, I didn't get to watch last night. 
Bazooka kickboxing ran late yesterday. Well, the uh, the main event was a Canadian and won 39 seconds. I would recommend you watch it. A Canadian? Mike Malott. Mike Malott, nice. One of nice. the coaches at Team Alpha Male. Nice, and he got uh, the contract, oh, yeah. I'm assuming? Yeah, he, was, he blew right. the other guy out. All right. And uh, that was that my one I can watch. I got the Malott fight pass. The distance at plus 230, Joe. So he's an Alpha Male coach, nice. Yeah, so uh, it was Carlos Hernandez against Daniel Barrez. And uh, I had picked Barrez with my TSN Edge picks. And then I watched the first round. I thought Hernandez just did the better work. I thought he did the more immediate damage. And uh, I don't know. I still think people are, are trying too hard to – like I still think people are valuing grappling too much compared to what the criteria says. So who knows? But I guess all yeah. three judges gave it to Barrez. So maybe I did overcorrect the steering wheel. Who knows? Yeah. Next week I need to tune in. I believe that's when uh, my friend is on, uh, Junior Taffa's on. Oh, I believe yeah, it's next yeah. week. Think, yeah, Junior Taffa is going to uh... – I think it's next week he's, uh, he's on. That's fun. Well, oh, is he uh, on? I don't know. I don't recall seeing his name on uh, Contender Series for next week. Let's or maybe it's a week after he posted. I know it's in October sometime, mid-October. Take a look. So, I mean, yeah, I'm excited to see that. And I also heard uh, that Doombay is switching to MMA. Is that, have you heard this? Uh, he's talked about this for a couple of years. But is it like, is he actually, he said that, I think he said he's done kickboxing. I'm not too sure, to be honest with you. I'm not too sure. I know there's a nice contenders fight happening. Um, I just think he's Dumbe is a showman. He wants he needs a dance partner. Like he's tried dancing with me a little bit, calling things out. He he's, he needs a he needs an exciting dance partner like Rico now because there's no excitement for him right now. So Glory wants to pay me. Uh, I'll make it exciting. Right. I'll fight. Not like this weekend. All you other guys not wanting to fight. I'll fight. Come on. I'm not seeing Junior Taffa on here. But I wonder if he pulled out of his fight, but I, I'm not seeing him on the Contender Series. Let's see. That would be upsetting because he, I I I thought he posted it the other day saying he was coming out on his uh, Instagram. Hmm, Junior Taffa, Contender Series. Uh, yeah, he was supposed to fight on it. I, I remember seeing his name. Huh, I don't know. Well, we'll see. Either way, I, uh, I'm, I'm eager to see what Junior Taffa can do. I, an article came out in August saying that they yeah, maybe something happened. Training. Yeah. Maybe his opponent fell out or maybe it's, maybe it's, he can't get into the country too. Right. I don't know. Unless oh yeah. All that side. stuff. You never know. Who knows these days. It's very difficult for a lot of these fighters from that region to uh, get it. I mean, it says October boxing. 19th. He has it October on 19th. it. He okay, posted uh, something saying Dana White contender series, October 19th. Okay. So let's see. Maybe topology is just not updated right now. But uh, right. I'm eager to see him fight. I think that's going to be certainly uh, a very interesting uh, fight. So we, we talked about uh, Lima. We talked about – I think we've, we've basically covered all the bases. Is there anything else that uh, – oh, uh, what about – what did you think of the Aspen Lad situation from last week? I know Misha Yeah, that was my about... original uh, topic to you because I don't know what happened. And, and I just saw Misha Tate getting really aggressive and her and Aspen Lad's coach getting back into things. So I was going to ask you what was happening with them. Well, I don't know. Misha accused her of trying to cheat the scale. And here's the thing. She weighed in. I think she was like 141 and a half or something when she weighed in with the with the kit on. And then she took the kit off and like they they were having trouble figuring out her weight. She was moving too much and she was shaking and all this stuff happened. And then eventually she got weighed in at like 137. It's like it's impossible that the kit weighed four pounds. So Misha yeah. was accusing her of trying to game the scale. She said that she was worried about having like a malfunction uh, of some sort. Um, during her menstrual cycle. So it's kind of a weird situation all around. 
But uh, she ultimately came out and she was culpable and she said, listen, if I missed by 10 pounds or I missed by three pounds, I still missed. And, you know, I've, I've got to do a better job. But so so what happened the there? The fight her. was off then? The fight was off. And, you know, Misha made a good point. It's like, move to 145. Like, you have a faster route to the title at 45. You're not going to have to cut as much weight. You can make weight in a healthier fashion. Like, why not just move up a weight class? So the fight just didn't want to get accepted? Macy Chason didn't accept the fight. And I think that she was well within her rights not to. This has been an issue with, with Aspen Ladd for some time. And Chason didn't want to be at a disadvantage. So, you know what? More power to her. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of fighters should start doing that. I hate when – because I, I, I'm, I think – and I mean I could be wrong. But even when – I don't want to accuse people. Even when Malcolm fought yeah. his debut, you know – you can tell they weren't even trying. They, were, they weren't going to make it anyway, so they're like, yeah, I'm going to miss anyways. I'm not going to try, so I'm not even going to do anything. Well, we're here struggling and not knowing weight cuts in this. Yeah. They already committed that they're not going to do it, and they're going to give up what? halfway around the world. Who cares? Yeah, you win. So you can lose and only make half your percentage, or you can win and give away a percentage of it. I'd rather win, make more, and still give a percentage than going and killing myself and losing. So there has to be maybe a stricter penalty because I know – Israel Adesanya came out bonus? really. Do you get your win bonus if you win out, if you miss uh, it? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think you can get the bonus yeah. like a uh, fight of the night bonus. bonus. I think you do. Because what did you? Would, because that would be a good way to stop people from missing weight. Just get rid of the win. Yeah, bonus. I don't know. That's something we have to probably look into. But well, I think you still get your win bonus. Take away a point. To like, start the fight, yeah. yeah. Something. I, I mean, they got to do something. It's not right. That that's. It's almost a little bit of cheating there. That is a form of cheating. Yeah. Extra. If you ask any fighter, like, I mean, from the outside, if you've never fought and you said someone, okay, this guy, and you're negotiating a weight to fight at, we get to the point where, like, if it's one pound difference, everyone's like, guys, it's one pound. Like, one pound when you're sucked out is a big difference to us fighters, you know? Like, yeah. two pounds, three pounds, that's huge. Five pounds could be a new weight class in some, in some sports, you know? Like, a pound is a big difference psychologically. Um, but on the outside, you don't think it's a big deal. So, yeah, like, oh, what, I missed weight by one pound? No, that one pound's a lot. So here's what you I know? So I would say if you miss weight, you, you get minus one point in the fight, no matter what. The fight starts, you're down a point. Sure. So you have to win sure. all three rounds to win the fight or get a finish. Number two. Or win the last two. Uh, you have to win no, it, two it, of the it three. It would be a draw. Oh, yeah, then it would be a draw. Okay, yeah. So if you and, – and then if you miss weight, depending on what you miss weight by, I think you take away that amount from the purse. So if, you're, if you miss by half a pound, it's 20%. If you miss by one pound, 25%. And then it incrementally by, by half a pound, it goes up 5%. Yeah. So if you or miss just by... one big penalty. You miss one pound, boom, one big penalty. Don't yeah. miss at all. So I think that they yeah. can do a better job of penalizing people. But then you're going to have people doing drastic things, either doing drastic things to make sure they don't m miss that weight, sure. which maybe they, sh maybe they need to do that. I don't know. But at the yeah. same time, it's also one of the big issues is with females, like their weight cut can change depending on what time of the month it is for them as part of their cycles. And a lot of people don't really give women um, the benefit of the doubt on that. And I think that that's a problem as well. Yeah, But the thing is, and the, the positive thing of the UFC is they have the Performance Institute now. When I went down with Chad Lepre, they did a body scan of him. You know, and he, I think he missed weight one time, mm -hmm. one time in his over 10 UFC fights, and they moved him up to welterweight. When you look at Chad Lepre, he is not a welterweight fighter. Chad is more of a lightweight. Yes, Chad's thicker, but he knows it himself. He has bad eating habits outside of camp. He can blow up huge. 
But the thing is, he's a, he's not tall. He's shorter than me. He's he's a well he's could make lightweight, and I think they forced him in a heavier weight class. So maybe start forcing people to fight heavier. Then don't give them a choice. You miss once, boom, your next fight's at that higher weight class. That's what they did with Jared Gordon this past weekend. Jared Gordon said that they they made him move up to fifty five because he missed at forty five last time. But Joe, yeah, you miss once, go. I know you got to yeah. run. Is there, there anything go. else? You have a closing thought? Uh, closing thoughts? No, just uh, I'm about to do some YouTube filming and stuff. So make sure you keep checking out my YouTube. Um, bazookatraining.com, not fitness, bazookatraining.com. And uh, yeah, the gyms uh, gyms are open back in Ontario. So 680 Progress. Uh, we'll see you guys popping in for training. And Joseph Valtellini on YouTube if you want to see uh, Joe's uh, work on YouTube. So. Well, Joe, before we go, we have uh, two interviews to get to for uh, fighters that are on this weekend's UFC Fight Night card, one of whom is in the main event, Mackenzie Dern. I mentioned to you earlier we spoke uh, just yesterday, and uh, she is taking on Marina Rodriguez, very, very difficult opponent for her, but uh, I think we're going to see how that one plays out. That should be a really interesting fight. And another fighter on the card, Randy Brown, is taking on Jared Gooden. A pretty short-notice fight. Um, you know, it's not a new opponent or anything, but Gooden fought fairly recently, and we're going to see if he can continue his success. Randy Brown also coming off a big win against Cowboy Oliveira, who just fought this past weekend. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Uh, they fought uh, back at UFC 261 in April, and now he is back in the octagon against Jared Gooden. Here's Mackenzie Dern, followed by Randy Brown, to wrap up this week's TSN MMA show. I'm now joined by Mackenzie Dern. She's in the main event against Marina Rodriguez this Saturday on UFC Fight Night. And we were just talking before we started. This is your fifth fight in a year and a half. Very impressive. And uh, three, of, three of your last four are first-round finishes. You're looking to continue that trend? Yes, 100%. Um, I think this is definitely my last fight with Nina was like striker versus grappler. But um, I think we're just kind of another more intense striker versus grappler. So I'm really, really excited. I think the way to win this fight is by, you know, my, my ground game. Uh, I think Marina has like not so much... Uh, ground game so definitely I think the way to beat her will be the ground and submission um, so yeah I'm excited to show off that to everybody on as a main event I think anyone who didn't know me is gonna start to know who I am after this fight and it's really really exciting do you go into fights you? with the expectation you're gonna be able to get a first round finish or is it just it just kind of comes to you during the fight if you find an opportunity you're able to capitalize uh, it, it depends. Some, sometimes, I w of course, I was going to finish the fight. I'm never like, um, you can kind of see I'm not really like the slow starter or something like that. I'm always kind of just pressuring. Hey, if if a hand, if a fist um, lands or a combination lands, I'm going to win. But I'm definitely always attacking and trying to go for the submission. And I, I find that that's a little bit harder for people to work with and to handle that pressure for three or five rounds, you know? So I'm used to that. I'm used to that pressure and I'm always looking for the submission, especially if I have like you on the ground for four minutes, it's definitely worse than if I have you on for like maybe 30 seconds left of the round. So uh, I really tried to get to the ground fast, but only with Virna that she was a jujitsu person that I was like, okay, this is a girl for me to really kind of see where I am with my striking and, I got a broken nose out of it, but I won still, so it was fun. <laughs> yeah, when that fight was scheduled, I said this is going to be three rounds of striking. I didn't think we were going to see any grappling in that fight. It ended up being the case. Yeah, most people say that when it's like two grapplers, you know, they end up striking. I 
think that's always they want to test themselves, you know, and really see. Um, I actually tried to take to the ground a couple times, but I was like, oh, no, we're having fun here. Let me try this spinning back fist that I've always wanted to try, you know, so <laughs> it was fun. It was weird. It was kind of the opposite in Bellator. Uh, Heather Hardy was facing Joelton, and they were like two top-level boxers, and they were grappling the whole time. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so crazy. And um, just kind of like uh, I just got nominated for uh, top, like a uh, best, female fighter of the year um so i'm just hoping you know if i can get in the fight and not get my nose broken and kind of get out and get one more fight in this year maybe in december or something uh, i'm hoping that i can really just show us in like consistency wise in the women's division like hey i deserve that you know best female fighter of the year so we'll see we'll see what happens now you've got uh the submission skills to go all five rounds i mean you've never been outside of the third round but do you think that having submission skills is important for four or five round fights because you know, your power doesn't really keep up over the course of five rounds if, for most fighters. But in terms of submissions, you can always find that little opportunity. And I, when I watched Brian Ortega against Volkanovsky, you know, I was talking to some, some friends about this and some, uh, some fellow journalists about how if you're the corner of Brian Ortega, you know how good a submission is. It's so hard to stop that fight. People said that fight should have been stopped or the corner should have stepped in. But you know how dangerous someone like Brian Ortega is because of his grappling and his jiu-jitsu and his submission skills. Is that one of the advantages of having uh, such high-level jiu-jitsu in your case? Is it gets into the fifth round, you always have that in your back pocket? 100%. 100%. And it's, it, the cardio is totally different. You know, Everyone says, like, oh, well, the cardio should be standing up. You know, But it's like, man, I've been training my stand-up every day basically i train every single day i don't train my ground every single day because i've been training my ground since i'm three years old you know so, so of course i do some like details and um try to tune up my ground game but i'm working my cardio and just my striking um my striking endurance um every single day so definitely i feel that kind of like what she said like okay always by the fifth round the the punches are a little bit not as strong you know instead of throwing like five punch combinations worth throwing like one two punch combinations you know but uh you just need like that that leverage you know to really get a submission or to lock it in and and honestly as strikers on the ground who's not really good on the ground they get so tired like their gas tank goes out being on the ground they're just panicking you know freaking out and just thinking okay just don't get submitted and have to think about their legs and their arms in the cage to get up and all these things so definitely strikers they get way more tired uh fighting on the ground then then who's like training a lot they're striking and getting that building that endurance who's like a grappler building their endurance as a striker i'm curious if you agree with me regarding brian ortega if you're his corner and it's going it's that third round the end of the third round it looked like he was almost defeated and people were saying you know maybe you stop that fight if you're the corner or at the end of the fourth round you stop that, that fight if you're the corner do you kind of agree with it from the standpoint that he he does have that that submission skill in his back pocket where at any point in time if you saw it even in the third round against Volkanovski it came out of nowhere is that is that one of the reasons why you would keep that fight going if you were his corner oh yeah for sure I mean he he's definitely he's a big boy you know and he's a big big kid and uh yeah I definitely wouldn't stop the fight you know he was he, he, I, I still thought he could have got the submission, you know, even like by the fifth round, I was like, man, he can still get this submission, you know, and it's just, I think it was just down to like the champ and the, you know, that champ mentality, like to not lose the belt and um, like the contender, you know, I think um, Alex was just able to like pull it out, you know, but yeah, he could have got that submission even in the fifth round, like all beat up or it's just like one mistake, you know, he, he like caught to the back almost a couple of times. I was like, man, he's going to get this. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm with you. It's interesting. Like, it's kind of a gift and a curse because he takes uh, a ton of punishment in those rounds. But again, like, it's just you, you know that that's ingrained in him. It's muscle memory. Like, he can, at if any time, if there's a little opening, he can get it. And, and you're the same kind of fighter. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's definitely what I'm thinking about this fight. You know, I think uh, Marina, she's a tough girl. You know, I'm I'm hoping I don't take too much damage in this fight, you know, but I know she has a tough right hand, a hard right hand. Um, so definitely trying to go in, protect myself. But, yeah, it's just like one submission after the next, after the next, after the next. And not even thinking about it like, oh, I'm going to go for Doma Plata now. Oh, I'm going to go for try. It's just muscle memory and um you know, when she's thinking about defending one, I'm, my body's already going to like three, four, five different, you know, positions and submissions and things like that. So I think I think that's uh, the great thing about being a grappler. Well, I'll talk about uh, Marina. She had a win over um, Amanda Hibas, the only person that you've lost to uh, in, in the UFC. Um, she's got just such great striking. Do you think that the reason that that happened was because Hibas was a little bit too confident on the feet? Uh, I don't think she was like too confident Amanda Rivas, but I think she just uh, got a little bit um, like a little bit lazy, you know, with the hands. You know, she kind of did like that double double jab, right? Not really touching, you know, just kind of like in the air. And I think that's that wasn't at the right distance, you know. Of course, I'm not a striker, you know, so I can't really say why. But um, I mean, you see, like Marina doesn't have like a whole bunch of knockouts on her on her call on her record you know she she definitely has a, a tough right hand but um, a lot of her fights are like draws and just kind of tough tough fights you know and kind of with some danger and things like that but I think really with Amanda she just really caught her on the on the spot on the button and then was able to finish finish again with the elbows and stuff like that you know but I mean Amanda took her to the ground in the first round and I think that's a little bit I mean, Carla took her to the ground. Randa Marcus took her to the ground. Cynthia Cavillo took her to the ground. Even Karate Hadi took her to the ground. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not saying too much, you know, but um, I think that's the way to go. <laughs> now, I watched uh, UFC Connected, and they did a piece on you and, and how you came back to the octagon after only four months after having a baby. That was the fight against Amanda. Um, do you have regrets about that, or do you think that it actually um, is something that ended up being – uh, good for you because you, you did come back and you kind of rushed back and you might have learned a lesson from that. Um, maybe, you know, biting off a little bit more than you could chew at that particular point in time in your life. And also, I think that you learn so much from losing. That first loss can sometimes, you know, for some people it can crush their career and for some people they can really get momentum off it. And obviously you've won four in a row since then. So I think that's the case with you. Yeah, 100%. Was, that was the idea. You know, I knew, of course, I knew when I was asking my manager at the time, hey, I, I want to fight, I want to fight, can you book me a fight? I was like, man, but already, you know, and just especially because I came from like a bad weight cut before the pregnancy, you know, like they were kind of really concerned if I was going to make weight again after the pregnancy. Um, but I've had like ACL surgeries and I came back four months too after my ACL surgery to jiu-jitsu, the, like the Pan American Championships, big tournaments. Um, so it's always been kind of like in my my mind and my heart just to – I. Like not that I went into to lose that fight. I went in to win. Um, I think I think it was good for me to learn so many things. And I think I was pampered a little bit in that fight, like during my training for that fight. You know, things that you learn, like kind of how people treat you. You know, I think uh, being like a mom and stuff, people were kind of pampering me a little bit in the trainings. But I knew, like deep inside, okay, if I win or if I lose, like the momentum of getting back in there in the cage. It's like you're getting punished by four-ounce gloves. Like, no, very few people do sparring with four-ounce gloves on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, it's a totally different um, 
a different pain that you feel, a different uh, distance, you know, it's totally different. So that's something I wanted to get out of the way. I didn't want to stay, even if it wasn't a pregnancy, let's say if it was like an injury, uh, I would want to get back in as soon as possible and kind of take my chances of maybe rushing it and I have a little bit higher chance to lose than, uh, than waiting longer time uh, because in my mind it's just that confidence in my My whole career I've been – like even from Invicta, LFA, I've always fought fast, you know, like three months in between each, each and if, if I wasn't injured, was fight, fight after fight, fight after fight after fight. Uh, UFC was like, my first fight was March, and then I fought again May, uh, and then again, you know, uh, when I fought, when I got pregnant, then I fought like fast again. So I always preferred that, you know, I, I like the momentum, me as a fighter, the momentum is always better than, um, than waiting longer and things like that. Me, personally. Well, you certainly have that momentum right now. I think that uh, with a win here, you're probably one fight away from a, a title shot. The, the women's championship uh, in the strawweight division is being contested very soon. And I know Carla Esparza has been waiting for that shot. But if you want to get back in there and she wants to prove that she's the number one contender, I think she needs to go through you first. Uh, or vice versa. I mean, maybe you need to go through her. Whatever happens, happens. But I think that uh, that fight should be made uh, to determine who the next challenger is. Do you agree? Yeah, they talked a little bit about me and Carla before uh, me and Marina. But yeah, like you said, I think she kind of wanted to wait for the the title. Um, she was like, she has five win straights. I understand too. But hey, if I win this fight, I'll be five straight wins too. And um, who knows? Who knows when? Whoever will win, Zhang Wei Li or Rose, uh, when the champ will want to fight again. So uh, definitely continue with the momentum. If the champ uh, kind of wants to take a little bit off, time off or wait i can definitely see me and carla fighting and getting whoever gets that sixth win you know um go fight for the belt you know but i definitely don't want to stay too much time just waiting for i don't know waiting for the champ to fight carla and then wait for them if they get injured or something then wait still for another until the title you know so i can definitely see me and carla i've never fought like a straight uh full wrestler before so i think will be kind of a very interesting matchup you know just kind of to see what she would do Maybe we'll be standing up more. Maybe she'll kind of do more ground and pound. Who knows? And I think it would be a really interesting fight between us. Well, I think with a win this weekend, you guys would both deserve it. You guys would both be right there. So I think it would be great to see. Uh, thanks so much, Mackenzie. Main event, yourself, Marina Rodriguez, this Saturday. And I always appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the, for the time. And let's do it. I'm very excited for this fight. You. Pleased to be joined now by Randy Brown, who's taking on Jared Gooden in the co-main event of this weekend's UFC Fight Night. Now, you're used to having a reach advantage, but only a one-inch reach advantage here. Uh, did, did you have to adjust your training at all to, to fight, I guess, rangier fighters uh, in training? Um, not necessarily. Um, there's a lot of rangy guys in camp that I usually train with, so they didn't really have to make much, much changes as far as preparation, but uh, I guess it's a little different, but there's a lot of guys that are a lot taller than me that I train with and shorter. We've got a good variety of people, so it shouldn't make much of a difference. Now tell me if you agree with this. I don't feel like Jared fights like a rangy fighter. He he's usually likes to do his best work in tight, whereas you've become really a master of range. Do, do you agree with that? Do you, do you feel like he doesn't utilize range as well as he could? Um, absolutely. I think that he's more of a, a brawler because he has big power, so he's looking, to, he's looking to come on the inside, work his way on the inside, and look for them big overhand rights and big powerful shots, you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's a, that's a fair assessment. 
You know, when I was looking at this fight, there wasn't really an area where I felt like he had an advantage. But what do you think is his... If you were to say Jared Gooden is going to beat Randy Brown, what would you say his best path to victory would be? Because, like I said, I feel like you kind of have him beat in all areas of his game. Uh, well, you're right. <laughs> you're right. You know, um, it's, it's going to be tough. You know, it's going to be tough. Again, he's... I'm, not that I'm looking looking past him or anything like that or, you know, under under underappreciating his skill or anything like that but I don't I it'll be hard for me to give you that kind of advice bro, honestly it'll be hard for me to give you a take on that but uh what I will say is that his durability you know his durability he has good cardio and he has big power so his best bet is to push the pace I guess you know but I, I match those things just as well so but when you think about that mentally, like going into a fight, like when you fought Vicente Luque, I'm sure that that's a little bit of a scarier fight than Jared Gooden. And it's not a disrespect to Jared, but uh, just for you going into a fight, how hard is it for you to mentally, I guess, prepare, knowing that you feel you're better than him in every area of the game and take him as seriously as you have to in, in a sport such as this? Um, it's not, it doesn't bother me at all. Or it, doesn't, it doesn't really... I don't really make it a big deal because in the in the end I still have one ultimate goal, right? So um, regardless of who's in front of me, no matter who it is, where it is, when it is, I just gotta continue to work hard and move forward and give it my all. So I don't look at him as a scarier opponent or a le or a less scarier opponent than anyone else. I just look at him as a person in front of me that's in front of my my goals, you know, stopping me from getting to where I need to get. So I'm just. I'm just going to go forward and work just as hard as I would work if I was fighting the champ. So when you're going into a fight then, do you game plan for specific opponents or do you just try to be as good as you can be? I know there are a lot of people that like to kind of pick apart their opponents beforehand and try to find uh, you know, loopholes to exploit. But there are other fighters that just say, if I'm, if I'm my best self on this night, I should win this fight. Do you have a mix of that? Like if you were to give me a percentage of which end of the spectrum you're on, what would it be in terms of uh, looking at an opponent rather than just working on yourself? Well, for me, it's a combination of both. It's a combination of both because um, definitely me at my best, I feel me at my best. Uh, I don't think anybody could beat me if I'm at my best. And uh, I do kind of study the guys and game plan a little bit. You know, I don't really obsess over it. It's not something that I try to do is obsess. And, you know, then you start to, you know, second guess yourself and you don't really get your game off. You start to focus on the things that they're good at rather than the things that you're good at. So, um I look at him a little bit, study a few things, look at a couple patterns, and then um, we game plan. But then behind all that game plan is just ultimately me being, you know, doing what I'm good at and implementing my game. You know what I mean? Now, I watched an interview you did with James Lynch, who's a good friend of mine, fellow Canadian. Uh, mm -hmm. And he, he mentioned that Andre Harrison's your brother. Is that is that the case? I know you have a lot of siblings, but Andre Harrison's yeah. your brother? Um, yes and no. All right, not Not by blood, but, you know. Uh, kind of just grew up and been around each other for a long time, you know, so it's always just like, yeah, that's my brother. He's always like, yeah, that's my brother. So it's just what it is. Okay, I was wondering about that. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was if it was biological or not, but you had mentioned that in that same interview that he's, I guess, 22 and 2. It's very hard for mm -hmm. somebody like that to get a fight on the regional scene. But here's the one thing I want to ask about, though. I watched the Contender Series yesterday, and there was a guy who, he had like an 8 and 1 record, but if you look at his opponent's record, like the combined record mm -hmm. was something like 30 and 104 or something. I feel like the UFC needs to do a better job of bringing in contenders that have these really good records from, you know, from their prior uh, appearances uh, into the UFC rather than looking at just the record or whether they're coming off a win. Uh, just the, the, the caliber of fighter, I feel like, is really important. Even though Andre's coming off a loss, who's that loss to? What promotion is it in? Like, these are things that are very important. 
Hey, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. But again, the UFC is not in the business of, uh, of, of kind of worrying about someone's record. You know what I mean? I think they're, in, they're more in the business of matchmaking and putting on exciting fights. So style, they're looking for exciting styles regardless of your record. You know what I mean? So if there's a guy that's going to go, um, if there's a guy that have this undefeated and he, he has a, a heavy base wrestling style, he's not getting any finishes, you know, versus a guy that's uh, that's five and four, you know what I mean? But he's knocked out five people and, and been knocked out four times, you know what I mean? That's who they're going to go with. So styles make fights. So they're looking for guys so they can match up stylistically, I think. So, But on the other hand is I do think if they're looking for high caliber athletes to, to make a run for the title, you know, I think that's where they should look. They should say skip the... I would say skip the, the contender series and just bring in guys like Andre, guys with the experience, you know what I mean? I'm with you, yeah. I mean, Andre's no doubt uh, UFC caliber. I, he Absolutely. Is, he's a fantastic fighter. Uh, so you, and he has finishes. He's a guy that will finish you. He's not just a guy who will going to go in there and just wrestle you, you know what I mean? He, he, can, he has the ability to finish, so I'm shocked that he's not here yet. Yeah, I mean, he's just fighting really top-level opponents. I, I think that the guys that he fought in the PFL are better than a lot of guys in the UFC right now. For sure. So tell me some stories about you and him coming up. Like, what, what kind of trouble did you guys get into when you were younger? I imagine that you must have had some fun uh, back in the day. Oh, man. That's uh, a lot of crazy stuff, man. Our, our story, I don't think our stories are fit for this, uh, for this, for this podcast uh, or interview. But, um, yeah, man, we, we pretty much we came up and ran combat together. We lived together for a long time. Um, man, it's, it's a lot. We've been had our ups, our downs, you know what I mean? Um, brothers fight sometimes, you know how that is. So we have, we just, we got a lot of moments, a lot of history, you know, and, and I, I love Andre to death, you know, so, um, but unfortunately I think that he's about to get a fight soon. So I can't release the details cause I, um, I don't know if he put it out, out there yet, but, um, as of right now, I think he may be fighting soon. So hopefully that he puts that out soon. You think if he gets a win, it's going to be a UFC fight next or is it with a major promotion? I mean, I maybe Bellator is interested. I have no idea. Absolutely. I mean, I think I think we all would love to see him in the UFC. I think he'll he can actually make a run at the top top ten, top five for sure, at, easily at the one forty five division. Now, again, I think opponents are very important when you look at things. Your losses, uh, at least in recent years, have been to Bilal Muhammad, Nico Price, Vicente Luque. Like these, these are the top guys in the welterweight division. Um, mm-hmm. After a win against Jared Gooden, are you looking to get right back in there against like the the top guys of this division to, to try to get into that top ten? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't want to waste any time. Um, I feel like last time I kind of missed the bus on waiting too long. I guess, I mean, the UFC didn't really have anything for me, so I was forced to wait. But I want to be able to get right back, man. I want to be able to get right back and, and build on, you know, build on a, a foundation. When you watch that Nico Price fight back, obviously it was a, a finish that you don't often see in, in combat sports. Do you watch that and say, oh, man, this was, this was so easy for me to have not had this happen to me? Like, it, does it frustrate you when you watch that back? Um, I've let it go, but in at the time, absolutely, man. That's something that that bothered me. But you know, what can you do? You live and you learn and you move on. That's what we do as martial artists. We pick ourselves up and we move forward, and you know, we build and we rise again. That's just what it is. This is the game. But for sure, I was frustrated. But um, I know what's up. The fans know what's up. You know, so if you, if I think if we play that back ten times, right, um, nine times, that doesn't go that way. So it is what it is. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you there. I, but you you took almost a year before you got back in there. Uh, I mean, how long did that linger with you? Like, how long does it take you to get over a loss before you kind of 
just say, okay, well, that's behind me now. It happened. It's, it is what it is. Now we move forward. That one in particular, it took me a little bit. <laughs> it took me a little bit, right? Um, but um, honestly, again, I've, I've matured so much since then. I've grown so much since then, man. Um, I've, I've been doing other things, and not only as a martial artist, but as a person, you know? So it's just something that, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I'm not really, I don't think about it too much. You know what I mean? As back then when I was younger, maybe, but now where I'm at in my career, I don't really think it's, if it happens, it is what it is. You pick yourself up as a part of the game. It's a part of being a martial artist. It's, you know, you, you fall down, you, you get right back up, you dust yourself off and you get back right back to it. You know, a lot of times the reason people fail is because they, they are afraid to go back through the process of what got them there in the first place. And, you know, I live there. I live in that process daily. So it is what it is. I mean, the fight was in Boise, Idaho. It's easy to get distracted by such a party city. I mean, that's, that's probably what happened, right? It's just, it was hard to stay there without getting uh, caught up in the scene. <laughs> it was beautiful there, actually. I'll tell you that. I, I, I thought it was going to be completely different when I went there, but um, I was getting ready for, like, the trailer parks and, like, you know, it was going to be, like, that type of energy. But when I got there, it was a beautiful city, man. Super progressive, clean. Um, it's really nice. You, know what you I think, think Idaho, you just think potato, right? You know what I think when I think Boise, Idaho? I think of blue football fields. That's what I think when I think Boise, Idaho. Uh, <laughs> for me, it was just potatoes. Man. I'm from New York. I'm from New York, bro. I'm, I'm from big city. You know what I mean? I just think potatoes. That's it. Do you know what I'm referencing with the blue football field? Boise State? No, I don't. They play on a blue football field. I mean, that's the, that's the first thing that comes to mind with them. They had a good football team like 10 years ago. So they were always on TV and they had the blue. It was just weird. It was blue football field. But uh, either way, uh, back to Jared, uh, Jared Gooden. This is, a, a, I believe it was a short notice opponent. Who were you supposed to fight uh, beforehand? I'm starting to lose my train of thought on that. Um, beforehand, I didn't have an opponent beforehand. It was just uh, they, were looking, they were looking for somebody. The person that they booked originally, he wasn't able to make the date. So, um that this guy stepped up, you know, I, I kind of knew that I may have a fight or may not have a fight. I was unsure. So I just kind of tried to stay relatively ready. And then, um, and then they came back with this guy. So yeah, this guy, you, I guess you could consider it a little short notice, but, um, I was already, I'm already ready to go, man. I'm in training camp all the time, ready to rock. Yeah. Because Jared fought recently. Didn't he fight in like the last five, six weeks, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know the exact date of his last fight. Yeah. Well, either, either way, Always excited to watch you fight. Um, you're you're a pretty solid favorite in this one. I think that it's uh, you're the rightful favorite. Like I mentioned earlier, I, I just I can't see a lot of ways uh, for Jared Gooden to win this fight. But uh, he's going to try to prove me wrong. He's going to try to prove you wrong this Saturday. Uh, best of luck to both of you, and I uh, always look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca/ufc.